Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's the Luke and Pete Show. I'm Pete Donaldson. Hope you had a good uh, week. It is now Thursday. We're nearly ready for the weekend. 19th of January. Luke Moa, are you ready for the weekend tomorrow and another day? Uh, am I ready for it? Yeah, I mean, it's weird, though, isn't it? Because our working weeks are a bit different, aren't they? So mm. I sometimes do get that Friday feeling. I'm normally in the office on a Friday, and I will be in the office tomorrow. So um, yeah. probably not quite there yet, although I love my job. Um, I will. Cer- I can certainly kind of feel like the first tinglings of being ready for the weekend. Pete, mm. you're not a weekend dude anyway. You you live your whole life like it's the weekend, baby. I do, yeah. And I, I do get that kind of Friday feeling. I get the Friday feeling when something comes my way. I can't remember what that was advertising back in the day. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I get that Friday feeling, definitely. And I, you know what? I don't resent doing the odd bit of work over the weekend, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, because it feels like quite optional, even when it's very much not optional. <laughs> like you yeah. just feel like, ah, oh, well, you know, at least it's the weekend, and no one's there's no one's going to suddenly give me a bit more work because everyone's true. doing stuff. So I think it. I think the weekends might be the best time to do work. <laughs> well, don't. That's a depressing way to start the show. It is a depressing. Don't do that. I feel like um, if I'm doing the ramble on a Monday, because obviously that's recorded and then put out straight away, so we do that Monday morning first thing. Um, mm. I do quite like the sexy feeling of being ahead of it by doing a bit of prep on the Sunday night, baby. Right, okay. That's what my... What you need to do is move uh, to the sea and then you've got almost two-hour commute. <laughs> and a two-hour commute and you're like, I'm sorted now. I'm absolutely sorted. I've got everything. Do I've it on got the everything train. in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I grew up near the sea, didn't I? So I I didn't do any commuting. You did, yeah. And I actually, I was back there... Um, Sadly, for a funeral service a couple of weeks, a week mm. or so ago, and mm. um, I, um, I had for some one reason or another, I was pottering around, I was driving here, there, and everywhere, doing some errands. And I remember thinking to myself, "This is actually probably quite a nice place to grow up." Thinking about it, obviously, you only have your own yeah. experience; you can't compare it to anywhere else. But at Definitely. the time, obviously, because it was a small town, I was probably fairly desperate to get away, and I haven't mm. been, I haven't lived there for twenty years or whatever, but um, longer than that, even. Um, but looking back on it, growing up by the sea was actually pretty nice. We used to get on our bikes and ride down. Well, it was not like it, it wasn't like the Bahamas or whatever, but it'd be nice to ride down on your bike down to the beach and in the summer and have a good old time. I, I think I probably took that for granted at the time. Yeah, no, massively. Uh, but everything looks better when you look back, I suppose, isn't it? Everything looks back and it sort of says it's. Uh, you know what they say, Peter? Nostalgia is not what it used to be, mate. There we go. Good stuff. Good but joke, I do, isn't it? you know, I do feel I do feel sorry for those kids with their mobile phones. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you remember when oh, bin men? Like do you remember when bin men were friendly? They come into your house, cook themselves some dinner, make themselves a cup <laughs> they, of tea, sit on your sofa, watch your telly, tell you a joke. Yeah, you'd get up and they would have already made you a sausage sandwich. Yeah. It was amazing. Do you remember when you, remember when bin men would come every day and uh, yeah. fold all your laundry? And all and, and the whole world was a big bin. 
Yeah. Just all just constant bin. And and you would try and put your um rubbish in the bin inside your house. And then a bin man would kick open the front door, grab that bit of rubbish and run out to the front and you'd never see that rubbish again. Nah. You, it was so you'd weird. Like, you'd, you'd accidentally knock a bit of rubbish, a bit of packaging off your kitchen counter, and before it hit the floor, mm. a bin man was there. Bin was there. He'd, and he'd be, he'd be doing like a kind of like last gasp, Gordon bank save yeah. for, for it not to bother your floor. Yeah. Bin men everywhere. Just bin men coming out the walls. Do you when you want to go brilliant. to the shop and buy something, they would say, you can have it. In fact, we'll pay you to have it. <laughs> and um, and um, everyone... Um, Everyone knew everyone. Do you remember, when, do you remember yeah. when, like, back in the day, when everyone knew each other's blood type and could yeah, automatically and, 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 sort out blood transfusions themselves? And everyone's doors. They weren't just made of paper. They were made of massive vacuums, and it would suck people into your house. And say, be, and be friendly. how welcome it was. Be friendly. Be yeah. nice. And we'd all wear T-shirts saying, be nice. Do you remember when everyone used to gather around the wireless and, ev- and the radio, the wireless would play a different song at the same time, which was everyone individually's favourite song? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember all of that stuff. Yeah, it's great, wasn't it? Stuff. Yeah, it's love shit now. Isn't the pasta is fantastic. Like shit now. Yeah. yeah, weather's crap. Yeah, we're all gonna die. I'm rubbish. fed up of these days. Rubbish. I walk down my road, and everyone I see punches me in the face. I'm fed up. <laughs> yeah, of I mean it. that. I mean that is. I mean that is. That's another thing. Every step, every step I take <laughs> outside step, my house, people at the moment, punching you in the dog shit. in the noggin. Yeah, it's just. Oh, it, did you remember the roads weren't made of dog shit? Anyway, um, Pete, I went to the theatre last week. Oh, hello. Yeah, baby. Did you go with your local bin, man? No theatres when I was a kid. No. Made your own theatre. Punch and Judy, <laughs> that was. It was only just Punch and Judy. It was the oral history. It's the oral folk history time, wasn't yeah. it? You'd sit down, Mama do Macbeth, Dad do, I don't know, like in The Tempest. The other one. Yeah, <laughs> the other one. The other one. That's what came out of... Um, I, do you know what? I, I will talk to you about the theatre in a minute. It was a really interesting thing, and hopefully the listeners will find it interesting. But before I do... Um, did you all those revelations that came out about Prince Harry? Uh, mm. I'm not going to bore people with what I think about it because I don't think anyone gives a shit. But there is a really. F- I think it's brilliant. It, I think it's, it sounds like an absolute fucking riot. I watched the ITV interview and I and I, I I just got back from the pub. I've been in the pub all afternoon on the Sunday with a couple of mates, and I was sat there absolutely gripped to go. I cannot believe he's saying this. I can't believe he's saying these things. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the thing that, the thing that really um, stuck in my mind was that. Um, I didn't know this, and it's amazing to me, because if you think of the scene, you imagine him doing it, that King Charles is apparently obsessed with Shakespeare. Apparently he spends all his time in his spare yeah, time reading it, reciting cutting it, around, reading cutting it. around. Like, in a massive <laughs> palace, that is an amazing energy. That's a great look. But that, is that not kind of what you want? Out of, yeah, massive. Out of the, the mon- I mean, that I is proper it. monarch behaviour. Ma- Don't mind it. Imagine if it was 90 Day Fiancé. It wouldn't be the same. Yeah, exactly. It's like a reality exactly. TV show off of um, off of like TLC. It would be the same. <laughs> the fact that it's Shakespeare, it's great. It's great for the. Um, that's a great line for the international audience. That's because that's how Americans imagine the king anyway. Exactly. Yes, yeah. it, it was great agree. stuff. I thought. I thought it was really interesting. But anyway, um, yeah, I went to the th- speaking of that. I went to the theatre to watch a play called Best of Enemies. Have you heard of it? Uh, no. It's, it was I'm going to give it a Google. Beautiful. Best of Enemies it brilliant. Theater. You would absolutely love it, Peter. Right. Uh, and I'll tell you the plot. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's based on a true... It's a true story anyway, so there's no kind of spoilers. Um, oh, it's got the man... It's got Zachary Quinto Yeah, the guy who played Mr. Spock in Star Trek. Yeah, not... Yeah, he wasn't in Mad Men. I'm talking absolute shit there. You know, it's so funny. I said that to the Wi-Fi I have access to. I said, oh, he's the guy from Mad Men. She's like, no, it isn't. It's not. It's not the gay man who's in Mad Men. No. It's not. No, I realised I hadn't David actually Hayward seen Mad Men. <laughs> 
excuse. Oh, and it's got David Harewood in it as well from Homeland. So, yes. so basically, it's set in 1968, which is an amazingly volatile, um, febrile year in American in American politics, domestically and foreign, of course, for all the mm. obvious reasons. And um, but the, the detail is is that. Um, that year was an election year, and there was Republican primaries and Democratic primaries, as you guys would have all, all seen, because you know everyone knows about American politics these days. But um, there's a there's a there's a TV network called ABC who were languishing in third, way behind the two main networks, which were um, CBS and NBC. Mm. And CBS had Walter Cronkite, you know, the greatest newsreader of all time, and um, NBC had their own stuff going on, but no one was really doing anything different. It was all like newsreaders doing their thing. It's quite sober analysis and all the rest of it. And to um, to try and get their ratings up, um, mm. ABC introduced this idea, the first ever in American TV of like a proper um, polemical one side and the other side debate between two big characters. The stuff you kind mm. of see all the time on like Question Time here now and all the rest of it. I mean, it's descended into shit now, but it used to be quite interesting, right? Well, the first one they did in America was this. And it was on one side, it was Gore Vidal, who's this kind of very outwardly um, homosexual kind of writer, you know, philosopher, commentator. Interesting dude. And the other side is this very conservative, as in like a contemporary of Enoch Powell, um, right-wing guy and editor of a magazine called The National Review um, called uh, William Buckley. Yeah. And what they did is they set him up on um, on the um, on ABC to commentate and provide discussion and analysis from each side of the aisle ahead on, on every night of the Republican primary and the Democratic primary. And it all kind of, it's very interesting and the whole play is about how they set it up and how they do it and behind the scenes stuff, which of course is fictionalised, but the main um, debates are kind of they're all there to, for everyone to see. Anyway, the Republican one goes off and it's quite competitive. The Democrat Democratic National Convention, which comes along afterwards, uh, is very, very controversial because there is massive anti-Vietnam War protests. It was held mm. in Chicago. The Chicago mayor himself, who I think was a Democrat, turned the whole thing into like a police state to stop anyone invading the, 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 um, the convention. Mm. And it starts to get very tempestuous. Now, I won't tell you what happens, but you can look it up. If you're never going to go and see the play, you can look it up. It's on YouTube. Um, the debates are on, themselves are on YouTube. But it gets very, very problematic. Uh, mm. And it was absolutely gripping. It was so well done. What they did on the stage is they had the two guys doing the debate, acting, of course. Then there mm. were three big, old-fashioned, oval-shaped TV screens. And they would intersperse the, um, the actual, what actually happened with the play. And the, oh, I like that. And a lot of the stuff was narrated by a um, quite famous African-American intellectual called James Baldwin, who's very, very who's contemporary of King's and all the rest of it. And it's got people playing Aretha Franklin, people playing Martin Luther King. There's loads of stuff going on. It's really, really fucking good, and I would recommend it to anyone. I was gripped the whole way through. I'm, I'm a little bit... I, I That is giving me kind of hives about... Um cues oh mate you know, starting videos off they're so good at it. Like, I, I cannot believe how flawless because what i find amazing about theater is that and this is an obvious thing to say but i think it sometimes gets lost if you watch mm. a big budget movie these days say you watch a marvel movie right the yeah. budgets are fucking gigantic they do it in front of a green screen they have so mm. many um chances so many takes all the rest of it there's the mm. shooting schedules are really long like these guys are doing it live right in front of you, and they are perfect. I, I can honestly say the word I would use to describe that play, whether you like it or not, whether it's your kind of thing or not, the way it was performed was perfect. 
There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. There's no, nothing has gone wrong at any There's point. There's nothing wrong with it. It's amazing. Like it's amazing. <laughs> that, it's amazing they can even learn that many lines. Oh, I, do, I like that that side of things. Like um, my partner Sarah, she you know she did the Crucible one year, and then she did um, oh it's a bloody um, thing. Tom Cruise and uh, Jack Nicholson. Um, oh, well, a few good men. So how did she find learn the lines then? How did she find that part of it? She just does it. She just fucking does it. It's different, absolutely different breed. Yeah, but you think you can't do that. You can do that. I can't do that. I get too distracted. I can't learn more than two sentences. You could definitely learn lines, and Sarah's really good at learning lines. I just don't know. I just don't know how you guys do it. Well, I have. First of all, I haven't done it. So don't include me. Yeah, in that. but I just yeah, but you remember things like you remember phrases and key. Well, I've just key remembered the whole lot of that play phrases. from a couple of weeks ago, haven't I? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, it's like being there. Don't need no, to go now. Right. I, I am very good. Um, <laughs> speaking of that, though, joking aside, did you see? There's a really good video that was shared on Twitter a number of weeks ago about um, it's Robert Duval, the great actor, okay. um, talking on a chat show from like the seventies or something um, about working with Marlon Brando and The Godfather. Okay. Yeah. And he said that he was really excited to work with Brando and, you know, the greatest actor of his generation and possibly of all time. And he, you know, he wanted to make sure he was absolutely bang on for the scenes and all the rest of it. Anyway, he mm. said by that point in Brando's career, he hadn't bothered learning any lines, right? And what he was, <laughs> what they were doing was they were setting up the, they were dressing the set and putting everything ready for the scene. And these, these um, set dresses were in massive font, putting his lines up on, the set off camera <laughs> yeah and um brando at the time would come to to do his line he would just like look gaze over and read it and and can then you, what, i mean can you i mean presumably you can tell by well, watching well, the, watch uh, it because I, I don't think you can all right okay i think that's so how like, good so, it is well i think that, that you see that in like um uh, saturday night live like i don't know why they don't do it digitally but they'd still use big fucking massive cue cards don't they like massive right. massive cue cards for the celebrity guests who may not um, you know may not be across how, how you know what they're supposed to be doing at any one time uh, that's all scripted like that and they do it with big big old uh, big old cue cards but uh, yeah i i i, I I'm fairly certain. Didn't he use an earpiece as well? Yeah. Certain Towards the, right at the very end of his career. But I think that might have been to do with ill health and stuff like that. But he did. Right. He okay. checked out of um, he checked out of trying for anything by that point. But <laughs> apparently one of the outdoor scenes in The Godfather, um, his lines were up on a massive billboard, like an actual billboard. Which is amazing <laughs> to think of. Isn't that's it? overhead you don't need, really. That's overhead you don't but need. But Brando and could like, just say, oh, this is what I want. And if you don't do it, I won't be in the movie. Yeah. And also, but would you not kind of like, do you have to... Would you not be? I mean, you can let, let him do that, but like, does it not? Is he that much of the film? Like, is there that much stuff that he needs to sort of think about, really? Because he's not looking down the camera lens, so he just he can't read a, an auto cue, so he can't be looking off camera. And I don't think he has that many speaking bits in yeah, that but film. I think does he? Would, when well, he's on, he's on. Well, first of all, that is a co- quite a controversial opinion on Marlon Brando's performance in The Godfather, <laughs> which I think is widely considered to be pretty good. And, and secondly, I don't. I think it would break the illusion somewhat if you saw a guy's eyes moving back and forth like he was reading. So you must yeah, be good at it fair. in some way. I guess. I guess it has to be. I guess the lines have to be far, far away, so you can't see them. Kind of, so you see, can't see them. Kind of people, scanning them. Would people be surprised to know that this show every time is completely scripted? Do you think? Yeah, every um, every ah, uh, every uh, what's that thing again? Yeah, like, all of those ones—they're all scripted. It's like when people talk about someone playing the piano badly. Well, you've got to be good at the piano to play the piano that badly. It's like this: <laughs> you've got to be really good at this to sound this yeah. bad. 
Like, exactly. and that is part Correct. of it. Isn't it? By the way, I, I think agree. I think Johnny Depp was having earpiece at an earpiece for all his Pirates of the Caribbean movies, didn't he? That was the yeah, that was that was the rumor. See, Jeff Beck died. Yeah, touring with uh, uh, Depp not that long ago. Yeah, he's um, what a legend. I heard someone tribute attribute to him the other day saying um, he could play the guitar like like ring it like it was ringing a bell. Yeah, which I think Incredible is a nice way of saying it. It's a shame, sad loss, but these yeah. people, these people aren't mm. going to live forever, Pete, unless they're Keith Richards, no. in which they very much. But he are. still, but he still, but the, the thing is, like he, you know, he died with his boots on a little, little bit, like Tom Petty, you know, died within weeks of him doing a big old fucking tour. It's amazing, really. Well, the best one was um, John Entwistle, wasn't it? That was the best way of dying for someone of that nature. What, what, what? How did he go? I think he got found in a hotel room, having had a heart attack. Mm. Um, surrounded by cocaine and quite a lot of prostitutes. Well, look, it's uh, yeah, fair dues. Sex workers, of course. I apologise mm. for that. He was fifty-seven years old. It's not actually even that old. No, yeah, that is. I mean, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be fucking around with cocaine post forty. I don't think. I think that's a that's a fool's errand. Personally, why are you looking at me? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> why have you sold all your furniture? Why is that? Why is that room so empty? <laughs> <laughs> just dropped five grand in cash it was for paint it was for paint <laughs> it was for paint he didn't want to pay the VAT <laughs> I haven't done that by the way for anyone listening I've paid it all on the books and it's not my responsibility the books, for, the, uh, for the workers to pay their tax anyway it's for them to yeah pay. that's not your responsibility exactly you can do what you want by the way okay. um, I keep getting Christmas cards I got a Christmas card this morning where's that come from is no, that, I just, is that the state of play in your part of London? You mentioned me sorting my house out, which I am doing at the moment. Um, and honestly, uh, things turn up and I'm expecting them to be things for the house. Um, yeah. And I got a Christmas, Christmas card again card. this morning. It was sent on the 12th of December from Maidstone. And all of your and all of your um, all of your furniture, the, the place where you'd usually display some of your cards, is under sheets in the middle of the room. Actually, there's no Nightmare. point sending me Christmas cards. There's nothing, there's nowhere to put them. I might start sending one. I might send you one for 2024. No, you've, 2023. You've Shit. never sent me a Christmas card. I'm just bad at it, Luke. You've I'm never just sent me any kind fa- of card. I'm bad at all of that. Yeah, I've bought ba- presents. I you've ever sent me any kind of card. You sent me, like, gifts. Yeah, so, last, so gift. last Christmas, you sent me Wagyu beef for Christmas, and I sent you a massive slab of tisky. Beefy boys. And this year we didn't do anything, did we? I don't know why. No. Well, I'm glad nobody else reciprocated because I was like, <laughs> I, I had it in my head. I was like, someone's going to send me a fucking present. I'm going to be annoyed and upset that I've not reciprocated because I've just been. Fucking World Cup fucked everything up, it did. I think. It the did. World Cup and I, th- fucked I think up. a tip I would dish out there to anyone who becomes friends with you always send Pete a present because he, he, he's so generous. He sends something four times better back. And I said, yeah, but. but Accompanied with that, I just my anxiety just goes fucking. Yeah, I've got more stuff to do now. Yeah, it's hard life, isn't it? It's tough. It is tough. Um, shall we take a short break and then come back with some fucking battery brands? Let's do it. Fucking battery brands. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh... Did you hear about the um, Bristol Cemetery that's flooded and people keep slipping and the bodies keep falling oh out of coffins? God. It's happened twice now. Disgusting. Anyway, yeah. uh, battery brands. It's a Thursday. If you found a battery in a bit of uh, consumer electronic car, we want to hear from you. Tucker has got in touch. Hello, my name is Tuckle. No, not Tuckle. <laughs> Tuckle. <laughs> and we've called him had... Tuckle. He's from Myrtle Beach, and I got confused, and I said Tuckle from Tuckle Beach. My name is Tucker, and I'm from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina in the US. I work at a guitar center, and while changing the battery in a uh, bass guitar earlier this week, I came across an interesting battery that I've never seen before. Maybe this is a new player. Actually, I think uh, electroacoustic uh, guitars, uh, guitar tuners, guitar pedals to a certain extent, I think this is a real untapped um, bit of uh, um, battery real estate. Can, can I please just take a moment to enjoy a man called Tucker in a music shop in Myrtle Beach changing a bass yeah. guitar string? That is like a that is an amazing um, amazing image. Oh, it really is massively. I oh, so changing the battery in the bass guitar. I don't know what there would be a battery in the bass guitar. You say it's a semi-acoustic. Is that what you're saying? It's got to be acoustic or semi-acoustic, surely, for the microphone, maybe. I don't know. Either way, uh, I've only listened to the show for a couple of months. Good on you, Tucker. And I uh, love the battery submissions. <laughs> There's been enough of them. Uh, so I thought this was the perfect opportunity to send one in. Thanks for thinking the show. I'm a big fan. Good man, Tucker. Um, super heavy duty, fair man. Um, Mercury and cadmium free. It's a nice look. I thought it was going to be new, um, a new player. It's a really, really good battery Korean. to see. Um, but our friend Andy sent those in. Uh, on right. August the 8th of last year. So you're not that far behind the curve, but unfortunately it's not a new player on this occasion. Unlucky Tucker. Uh, better look next time. Uh, this is an interesting one. Tom has got in touch. Uh, hey, look, Pete. I've been renovating a very old building in Bristol and found all kinds of ancient stuff beneath the floorboards, including this flying bomb D-cell battery. I feel like I'm in a pretty good position here, but with your army of battery hunters... Who knows? I hope it might be a new player, but I also appreciate the fellow hunters. Yes, um, lots of love, Tom. Um, the flying bomb, bomb superpower. I mean, it looks like it's easily nineteen forties and fifties. I mean, like that looks like an old motherfucking battery. I think that's the best battery I've ever had seen chucked in there. Yeah, it's a beautiful bit of work. Look at the artwork and, on it, Pete. Yeah, I mean, do you really want to be reminded of you know the world shame? <laughs> <laughs> the Second World War, you know, flat, you know, yeah, bombs. Do you remember the bin men in the Second World War? Do you remember the they bin cleaned men? up all the bombs, didn't they? Exactly, they did. They just, they, they. That's how we won the war, the bin men. I was speaking of the way, Did you see up. that story about a guy in the Ukrainian conflict and you know the, the illegal Russian invasion of Ukraine, as I should say? Um, mm. A Ukrainian soldier who had a unexploded grenade um, successfully removed from his chest. How fast? What? Get him in the cricket team. How did this happen? What do you mean? Like I, think the whole thing fired, just... I think someone fired a grenade from a grenade launcher. It hit him in the chest and didn't explode. 
How? What? The whole thing just lodged in his chest. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. How, it's not massive. A grenade. Yeah. How did it lodge in his chest? Right, I'll dig up How the story. How fast would it? For fuck's sake! It did it. Did it partially explode and land in his chest? No, because I don't know how someone would stuck. How could a, a ball basically just stick in your chest? Unless well, you had no, because it's from a launcher. So it's slightly, it's slightly. Um, oh yeah. right, it was from a launcher. Thank you. Sorry, I okay, said that. Fine. I fucking said that. Did you that. say launcher? I yes. Thought some, I thought somebody threw it. <laughs> I thought, wow. No. What a powerful throw. Yeah, in a way, I'd rather it did explode if you're going to throw it that hard. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what a risk! Imagine how the uh, imagine how difficult that was to remove. Yeah, they goodness. had to have two. Um, I think they had to have two um, like bomb technicians. They had to have a surgeon. Obviously, it's, it's a big operation. Obviously, yeah. Um, I would say it's a reasonably pressured day at the office. Yeah, just a bit. It's like fucking Jack Bauer or something. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, flying mm. bomb. Speaking of which, uh, Tom, as I'm sure this is going to be a surprise to no one, that is absolutely a new player. I didn't even know. I don't know if there is. Another one of those flying bomb batteries existing anywhere else in the world. So, <laughs> needless to say, it is a new player. So, congratulations to you. We should share that photo on the socials because that is a that's a great um, a great battery to look at as well. Yeah, nice. I'm a big fan of that. Thank you very much, uh, Craig. And thank you for letting us think about that man with a grenade in his chest. Hello, gents. Hoping I have a new player. This is uh, Craig from Portland, Oregon. Before Christmas, a lovely girl I began seeing. Felt sorry for me oh. because I didn't have a Christmas tree in my home. The Lawrence. When she, came, when she came around the next time, she brought girl. with her a lovely little light of Christmas so Do the tree. whole email in that voice. Rather than thanking her for my, for her kind gift, I immediately <laughs> went for the battery holder. Uh, so rigorously <laughs> that I actually snapped the plastic just to see if there was a potential new player waiting <laughs> me. Craig, Craig, Craig. Bit of foreplay. I'm fully erect here. Don't just grab at the fucking battery holder, pulling (laughs) it open like that. Lordy. There's no romance. Cue curious and confused looks from the said girl, and me having to explain the nonsense. Don't do do, do the voice for fuck's sake. Cue curious and confused looks from the said girl, and me having to explain the nonsense that is the Luke and Pete show, and in particular, the whole new Battery Player Chronicles. Safe to say, I did little to ease her confusion, uh, and I'm wondering if she was dating a madman. Anyway, the hopeful new player is Intenso, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this will be third time lucky. All the best, and keep up the good work, uh, Craig from Portland, Oregon, and uh, I'm really sorry to hear about you breaking up with your missus. (laughs) (laughs) Intenso. So look, if you have broken up with your missus, Craig, um, sad, but there are plenty more more fish in the sea and all that. Um, Yeah. I hope this this is salve to your wound. The softening of your of the blow will be that Intenso is a new player as well. So congratulations nice. to you. Two out of like three, it. baby. <laughs> Big not, fan of that. Not bad, Big is fan it? Of that. Not bad. Yeah, I, I think that's a good week. And and are we seeing, uh, you know, our, our goals getting easy to score? Are we seeing more kind of um, twos and threes every week? It feels like we are. I don't, I don't really know. I think I think it kind of ebbs. I feel like it. I always feel like it ebbs and flows. Yeah. Um, are you still thinking about that grenade in that man's chest? I am a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I thought I am so. a little bit. So um, yeah. I'll, I'll just tell you, um, I'll just give you a bit of detail. Because, you know, this is mm. this is a great sequel to the man who had a World War One bomb up his bum. Yeah, but he was very much, he had his own agency. He he was very much involved in that. He launched that himself, yeah. so, so to speak. Um, Russian junior sergeant Nikolai Pasenko, 41, was hit while fighting in Ukraine. The grenade smashed through his ribs, damaged a lung, and lodged near his spine between the aorta and the inferior vena cava, the largest vein in the body. Despite the high risk of explosion, surgeons successfully removed the device, and the medical operations reported by Russia's defence ministry um, 
yeah, it's actually a Russian soldier, not a Ukrainian soldier. So I should uh, apologize right, for okay. that. Um, but there's some great pictures of it. Um, it was fired from a, a, an automatic mounted grenade launcher called the AGS-17, if that's of interest. Lovely, um, okay. So, so soldier grenade. Oh, there's like a little um, x-ray of it. Wow. But what, I did, yeah, what I didn't like about the, the coverage of it is that like, there was a couple of photographs from inside the operating theatre um, while they were doing mm. it. Get out. Clear the room. <laughs> well, well, one of them's like the surgeon, the military doctor's just kind of got the got the grenade in his hand and he's got sort of looking at it with blood all yeah. over his hands. I mean, it's just got to go... Ooh, right, you can come ooh, in, delicious. take a photo, but you better not drop the lens cap. <laughs> just throwing it. That's incredible. Yeah. What, what, what a performance. Yeah, what there a you performance. go. See, so it's, it's an, interesting, um, an interesting story of what is quite a horrific... Um, Horrific situation, of course, to say the least. Uh, before we go, I just wanted to pivot again slightly and say to you that I found out the other day that um, a couple of things about about old London, which will be interesting right. to our international listeners. There's two facts that I read uh, in the last week from the excellent Mark Morris, which is Mark with a C. He's a brilliant mm. um, uh, English-based uh, historian, specialises in the Anglo-Saxon era but uh, or the Dark Ages or something like that. I can't remember, but he's very good on Twitter. And um, he uh, his claim to fame was that Scarlett Johansson uh, once kind of interacted with him on Twitter about some historical weird thing, and he's always talking about it. It's quite funny, quite <laughs> random. Anyway, he he, right. uh, he he said that um, according to a lot of sources that he's read way back in the day, I think twelfth, thirteenth century, um, mm. that a lot of renters in England paid their rent in eels. <laughs> nice. So I eels like were apparently fair, such yeah. like such great currency back then. People loved them. They ate them all the time. They were abundant in all the rivers. People would pay their rent to their landlord directly in eels, which is like it sounds like something Monty <laughs> Python would make up. Yeah, how many eels could could one realistically need? I suppose. Yeah, and wow. um, the second one is that you know Billingsgate Fish Market. Yes. So that pays a rent to the City of London. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and it has done since its launch in 1699 uh, on its Dockland site. The, the rent is to this day and has always been since 1699 payable to the city of london one fish per year nice so okay, has to so go that's all it costs. give them a fish every year for the rent on that um <laughs> on that site just i mean just i mean can you post it to them i mean that seems quite strange. what fish do they want do... exactly yeah which uh we used to do a feature um on on the uh, breakfast show on xfm um uh, with a with a with a fisher, fisherman with a with a fishmonger at um, at the uh, at oh not that mad guy with the mustache yes he's Roger he's Barton. amazing he is amazing. very problematic uh, though he would constantly um, sell expired uh, fish he's uh, I believe he's now a um, he's a turf accountant I think somewhere but he's uh, yeah he's very much he was very much a guy who would come on and I remember ringing up and sort of going look we need, we want to talk to a fisherman every week uh, sorry a, a fishmonger every week. Have you got anyone? Uh, and the woman just went, you want to talk to Roger? Yeah. And to be fair, we did want to talk to Roger because he was an incredible... Uh, he's st- still with us. Um, he's an incredible, uh, uh, you know, character. Just new character. Well, do you yeah, know what, Pete? Really I saw a documentary episode. Um, I think the BBC did a documentary series. I want to say maybe, and I might be wrong on this, but I think it was around the different types of markets in London. So Smithfields and Spitalfields right. and Billingsgate. And the episode they did on Billingsgate was with that guy following him around. And right. I know nothing about him. I mean, you could be, I'd have no idea what his story is. But that documentary episode, I remember thinking to myself, my God, he has got more charisma than most people on TV. Like, he should <laughs> be on TV. He's an incredible character. 
I've 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 got there's there's a there's a woman who is in there's a there's a TV show about adopting dogs. It's called the Dog House or something on Channel Four, and they basically go to a place called Wood Green. That's not the Wood Green in London, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and it's got this massive like uh, kind of um, this is basically where 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 adopted uh, dogs go to, fostered dogs go to. Yeah, and um, there's uh, one of the sort of people who look after the dogs who's always on the telly on this show and she's like quite skinny uh relatively good looking um got good teeth and she's got like a very kind of like um television way about her and i'm predicting that she's gonna be doing all kinds of jobs all over the place if she's not had fucking screen tests for for the one show uh, at this point i don't know what the i don't know what my idea of what the television great is. talent she's spotting just... by you that pete but it's just no it's not a great talent it's depressing because i don't i find it i find it quite dull but she just looks the part she sounds the part she's very friendly people will know who she is and she will no doubt have a couple of uh, you know country file style shows uh, before the end of the year or if you before have your the way. end of next year it's right my way, yeah, exactly. And you'll be presenting with her, like a new Jermaine Genius. He's done well. <laughs> Jermaine Genius has done well for himself. I, I can't, my brain kind of accepts him as a presenter now. There was a lovely, somebody sent us a, uh, a clip of, uh, Sean sent us a clip of um, uh, Jermaine Genius uh, talking to, uh, Gordon Rumsey was on the show. He was, I saw and that some... when I was in the gym the other day. Was that the one where he was, uh, where somebody sent in a, for Christmas, instead of a chocolate fountain, they made a gravy fountain? So I did. So this is interesting because I was. I you was, heard it without sound. Yeah, because I was listening to something on right. my headphones. Like I didn't see the subtitles. And it was very confusing. But I, I saw the exact scene on the TV. Yeah, I don't know what happened out of it because the subtitles yeah. were too slow. Exactly. So they were. So they were. Um, so they were. Uh, so this guy had sent a picture in going, "Oh yeah, over Christmas I made a lovely, a lovely gravy fountain for the roast dinner." And Jermaine Genius was like, "That's brilliant. That's yeah. that looks great." And Gordon Ramsay gave it the shortest of shrifts. Yeah, I bet he did. Basically yeah. said, "That's that's disgusting." I bet that's Bisto as well. Disgusting. Gordon Ramsay is amazing on um, social media where he does that. He does a series of it so often. I think it's on TikTok where people send their food in and their recipes, yes. and he and he and he does a voiceover on it. Yeah, and he, okay, and yeah, he yeah, does yeah. an amazing line in um in getting like properly angry like his <laughs> insults are so good like, I, I honestly think you know it's funny isn't it it's, this is all the same thread we're talking about here like some people are just brilliant like charismatically magnetic on 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 the screen like yeah. i remember i remember i did a i did a, I did a um elected um photography module when i went to uni the first time um with a guy and he came in from outside he was like a visiting lecturer and he photographed them. Um, he did photography for a for a term for us, right? And he was brilliant. He was like he didn't give a shit. He was like proper, been around the houses, been around the world. Quite an old guy, looked like an old mod kind of thing, and it, but he was really good. And he was telling stories. He used to go to the bar after the lectures every week, and we'd go and he'd tell stories and stuff. And um, he said to me once that um, he photographed Robert De Niro. I might have told you right. this story before, and he said that Robert De Niro walked in the room and no one really noticed. He was like the most meek, mild, quiet guy. And yeah. when he put, but when they put the camera on him, it was like fucking hell. It exploded through the lens. He's like, people, he's like looking at a completely <laughs> different person. And I also, I often think about that when I see someone like Ramsey, who is essentially, I, this is, I know I'm over the top about Ramsey. I think he's amazing. I think he is the <laughs> most natural person on TV. He's, the TV shows he makes are so fucking good. It's unbelievable. 
yes. Well, yeah, he's just he's. Uh, I think he picks his projects well, and uh, he just you just know what you're going to get from him, and that's satisfying. For he's me. like the Daniel Day Lewis of like um, of factual telly. But <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, I watch Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares like all the time. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's get out of here, Peter. I think we're over time, and I think you've got to go, baby. You're ten minutes late for the next thing you're doing. No, gotta go. Gotta go. All right, all guys. Right, we'll have Monday, a lovely right? uh, weekend. We'll be back on Monday doing our thing. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. Take it easy. Bye. Love you. Bye bye. Luke and Pete Show is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.